0: Oh, and welcome to the Tapping Up podcast with myself, Daryl, and as always, Ian. Bit of an extended break since the last one. Um, I think we uh, did the Valentine special, didn't we, last, which was a Tuesday, so... A week and a half, people have gone without us. That's too long. People, think people are gutted. Been getting loads of hate mail saying, where have you gone? You've left me. Um, I'm sure that isn't it. I certainly haven't received that hate mail. Uh, maybe you're more popular, uh, a little more popular host than me. I'm the one that runs, obviously, the podcast uh, Twitter account, so I've got to...
1: Kind of both have a little dabble, don't we? I I, I post shit, you delete it. I'm going to Uh,
0: say, I I post the stuff that gets the likes, the retweets, the publicity. You post stuff like, I don't know, calling out random people online and picking fights and doing what you usually do on a day-to-day basis, really, but on Twitter.
1: Sad to say it only because I'm not a social media user particularly in fact at all uh, apart from this but I said to you a couple of times I can actually see if you're a celebrity how you get a few beers down you and then start going on you're a bit bored and just start someone saying to you I fucking hate your hair Daryl and you just start replying and getting I can see how people get sucked into that nonsense.
0: Conor McGregor perfect example Conor McGregor seems to spend a night on the, uh, the old chisel a- allegedly and uh, then just starts going at people, don't you? Just randomly starts. I mean,
1: it, to be fair, it, it says more about that person that they have vacuums of time to do that. But I find some Fridays, come home, missus is out, a couple of the drinks that I enjoy, a few rums off on a Friday. If I'm watching something that's not particularly engaging or not catching my interest, and I wonder, go on there, I tend to try and be the one that posts the links to the Friday night when we've done the podcast, occasionally wander off and there's a few times at the next morning I've gone on and you've deleted but I remember seeing me having a recollection of, did I just start saying, I think it was one time didn't I abuse Piers Morgan? Yeah. I think.
0: I called him time. like a, a fat tosser or something and I thought, right, let's, let's try and keep some professionalism. To yeah, his, no, uh, no, but uh,
1: uh, as you say, I'm, I'm certainly not uh, defending it but I can see <laughs> how if you're bored... It's it's a great distraction, Twitter, isn't it? I can see how people yeah. just waste time on it, so it's one of the reasons why I'm disciplined and I don't need that shit in my life. The worst thing
0: it. that's happened to Twitter is definitely Elon Musk taking over it, but the blue Twitter blue nonsense, because obviously once you used to see a, a blue tick, you used to think, okay, I'll take a bit more notice of this person because they're a bit more reputable, they might give me a bit more information that's definitely not false all of a sudden you can buy this tick now for what is it, eight pound a month or eight dollars a month and some of the ticks have changed colors have you noticed that some companies have yellow ticks now
1: i did weirdly i'm not interested in this shit at all but i think i read that isn't that is it either a company or a charity something like that is a it gold that it's i think there's so. some some differentiation with it. i think football clubs have gold ones Maybe it's companies then. Companies or charities go, blue's just the page in it, but you're right. It used. I'll be honest, nothing on Twitter, even whether it's got
0: a blue tick or not, makes me think,
1: oh, that's a reliable source of information. (laughs) Well, more so than, like, Jim
0: 713621 with, like, an egg as a profile picture. That would be the the usual sign of a lunatic. And then you would look at someone like Ariel Hawane, and you'd think, oh, he's got a blue tick, knows what he's talking about, I'll give this guy a listen. But now it's we could have a blue tick and we talk shit. What kind of muppet do you have to be
1: to be a normal person and pay eight pound a month just to have a blue tick by your name? What what status does that bring you? You're, you're younger than me. Maybe you'd do that, but why? What, what? What? Tell me the benefit.
0: Well, you should. It's funny you should mention that because I've actually just bought the. Uh, really? tablet. No, for fuck. I, I thought you that? were going to say
1: really. I've just paid for that for your Twitter because I know you, you you tweet a bit. Uh, but I was just going to say, surely that is. So, it's so outrageously sad in my mind that someone would pay eight pounds just to have a tip by their name to pretend to be famous that's yeah, all it that's is effectively what yeah. it is yeah I
0: the think. new thing that they've brought in on top of that is the pictures now so if you notice we for example only have a circular picture if you've got a square picture it means that you're a verified business so that's a new thing didn't to look for. yeah if you've him. got a is it a hexagon it means it's an nft Okay, it's all just bollocks isn't it Elon Musk ruining everything although I do want a Tesla So
1: I'm just trying to think how, how do you who then dictate oh no they should have a square picture rather than the well, you circle can, you that. can
0: choose so you get the choice if you're a verified business whether you want a square or a circle ah, okay. but obviously if you're a verified business you're going to choose the square because it's something that only you can have and no one else can have, I think so anyway we're not a verified business so we don't make any money
1: it feels so sad but i bet you they're making more money than we think they are i mean i suppose trying to look at it from a business perspective is this elon bought it it was hemorrhaging money and not the platform of advertisers choice anymore as i understand it one of the reasons when he bought it so is this eight pound a month his attempt to make up for the loss in revenue of advertising Potentially, because I think you've seen
0: how many lunatics have bought them.
1: Trying to just apply some through the nonsense and some business acumen to what's going on. I'm guessing that's why he's done it, is that's a way to make up for a shortfall for all the he's lost.
0: One of the new things that they're introducing as well, or allegedly introducing, is if you've got a Twitter blue account, so this blue tick, and that you've paid eight quid or whatever it is a month, you can tweet as much as you want. If you don't have a Twitter blue account, there is new restrictions that are going to potentially be imposed on it. Now none of them are going to affect us because it's like you can only tweet two hundred times a day or you can only put so many pictures up and media up a day, which obviously we don't do. Um but it, it's just one of these where it'll merely be kids and it'll be the ones that pretend to be football accounts and like dedicate everything to Cristiano Ronaldo, so like Ronaldo season on their uh twitter handles they'll be paying for these accounts and they'll be wasting money yearly you'll get loads of money from it it's ridiculous
1: that makes sense i mean the other way if you're looking at it as an idea for him you can have this one for free elon would be surely that you could w- would paid users not get low restrictions on characters or would that go against the whole point because didn't they expand it used to be 140 didn't it and then they made yeah. it bigger that would be another obvious way if you were trying to give a benefit to verified people would be to say you don't have any restrictions on any fucking how many characters if you want to write an essay you can do but all you normal people that are
0: not sad and pay eight pound a month you can only put so many characters but you must see the issues with that because if you could put unlimited characters there's going to be people putting like a million emojis so your twitter feed is just going to be one sad prick putting like loads of pictures of peach emoji or eggplant emoji and it's like all oh, right, right my Twitter's full of dicks tonight get in
1: alright then uh, Elon you don't have to take that idea on board uh, It's not, but yeah that would be an obvious one for me even if they doubled it unlimited does sound stupid now that i said it but um, you know, might want to write 500 characters for a verified user whereas you normal folk can only
0: have I you remember. peasants why the fuck so have we talked this long about twitter uh, seven minutes nearly Jeez, eight minutes
1: cut it out <laughs> so <laughs> well, there's just start again and then just they're, we've just wasted seven minutes talking but
0: well we're going to uh, boxing we'll switch it up this week because there's a few different things to talk about and i think boxing is certainly the topic that most people want to hear um judging on what's going on this week as well and what's going on this weekend Quickly cover Mauricio Lara versus Lee Wood last weekend. Um, did you manage to catch any of this?
1: Calling me out here, all I saw was the knockout. Didn't see the uh, fight as well, uh,
0: or anything to do with it apart from the knockout, if I'm honest with you. The knockout is what will be talked about, and rightfully so, because it was a ridiculous left hook. Um, it absolutely sparked him, and... I think the the corner did well to be honest to, to take the decision into the hands of, is it Ben Davis? Um took the decision into his hands or Ben Davison to basically throw the, the towel in and said look there's 10 seconds of the round left but he's going to get sparked out and he's going to get hurt quite badly um, the issue that most people would had is Lee Wood was quite dominant so quite comfortable on the cards and it was probably one of his best performances in his career unfortunately for him obviously ending in getting sparked but he was comfortably up on my card. I think I had him maybe uh six rounds up, roughly around that. I'm all for
1: ensuring a fighter's safety. If I put my opinion into it, I'd be livid with my corner if they checked the time of ten seconds to go. If you're a fighter, you've got to back yourself to be able to weather a storm of ten seconds. Now, I, I did see the knockout. I didn't just saw him get knocked down. Didn't really see if he was super wobbled or anything after that, but I'd be living if it's a minute minute and a half a longer round to go absolutely you've got to defend your fighter but 10 seconds that feels I'd be angry if
0: I was the fighter if my corner didn't trust me enough to get through just to clean all he's got to do is grab him well it's a good point because this is something that was quite contentious when it happened 10 seconds left he beat the count so he got up and the referee decided that it was fit to continue but the towel came in I'll be honest, I, I honestly don't disagree whatsoever with Sal coming in. He was really shaky. I'm surprised the referee let it go on because if that had gone on even for 10 seconds, I am 99% sure that Lara not only KOs him but quite badly hurts him because he were all over the place, his head were all over the place and Lara is a ridiculously strong puncher for that weight division. So I, I think he will lose in the fight regardless.
1: Yeah, I but the only point for me would be if you're saying he was well up on the judges' scorecards. If you're him, then you're just saying to him, "Look, if you just I get the ten seconds. I was going to clinch him. Get me through the round. All right, it's only a minute in between rounds, but I can find my legs from under me again, and I go again." So I, I, fighter safety, and as you say, you've got to commend the corner for looking after their their fighter. But personally, I would be angry if my cut to, uh, that that happened to me.
0: Does it make it worse that he then lost his world title as a result of that? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, like that, that was the big thing because you basically said, instead of letting your fighter deal with it himself, go out on his sword, so to speak, if he feels it can continue, you should let him continue, and it shouldn't be your decision. You've basically said, no, fighter safety is paramount, even if it means losing your world title.
1: Yeah, I, 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 yeah.
0: there's different perspectives you could look at it. There's almost a
1: way that you're saying, I don't think you're good enough to get through ten seconds. Fuck me, I'm. Let me make that call. I'm the fighter. If I'm too sparked out, I won't get up. Or I could no fight. fight. It has to get up. He could have stayed down if he didn't feel he could continue. So yep. that makes it considerably worse for me. And I'd be seething with my corner if I'm a world champion and they don't bat me to be able to use my acumen of the sport just to clinch someone for ten seconds.
0: Well, the the big fallout from this was that the domestic um, domestic bout between Lara and. Oh, not Lara. Uh, Wood and Warrington was well built, and Josh Warrington was getting a, a world title fight after this. And it was supposed to be this big domestic, potentially at um, what's Forests, Nottingham Forest Stadium. City Ground. City Ground. Um, which I, I don't necessarily agree with. I'm a, a Leeds lad, obviously. Um, Warrington's a Leeds lad. He's not looked very good in the last few fights, and he certainly shouldn't be getting a title fight on the back of the last few uh, fights that he's had. But. I digress. That fight obviously isn't happening anymore. After the fight, Lara goes to the edge of the ring and spits on Josh Warrington, who's ringside. Just really strangely, really randomly, spits on him and then it causes a big um, scuffle at ringside and then it looks like it's going to be Lara fighting Warrington, which obviously the first fight, Lara hurt him pretty badly and took uh, his his first loss as a result of that. Um, The rematch we went to see at um, Headingley and it resulted in a draw because of a, a cut early on there's a lot that's been made out of Warrington potentially leaving his head in um, it's known to a lot of fighters I, I don't think there's any intentional headbutts but not intentional headbutts, But that's what comes out of it do you think he should be getting this fight if it potentially goes to this trilogy
1: has he just on a slide don't before we go off that has, has he ever fought at Ellen Road He's fought at Hedley. I Warren. think he's fought at 0 Yeah, I,
0: I, w- I went to the one at Ellen Road. Right, he has. beat um, Lee Selby right. to win the world title. Really so good fight, actually. We're at his prime with that.
1: That's what Any Le- Leeds lad, surely, that's the peak. Fighting at Hedley one thing. Ellen Road what you want, in not it?
0: He had Kaiser Chiefs performing there as well. Really good night, that. Nice. Yeah, really, really good night. Um, uh, but it, it, for me, he shouldn't be getting this fight. I don't... Don't obviously, want to talk him down, and again, Leeds lad. So I've got to support him, and I'll support him if he does go into this fight. But it looks very likely that he's going to be potentially getting knocked out by Lara again.
1: Well, we've we've talked about this, and again, we're digressing and wandering off, meandering a bit today. But I'm never a big fan of people getting big fights off a loss. So UFC was the equivalent where we talked about it getting a title. Some people getting title fights, mainly like people like Conor, off a loss. That's bullshit. That shouldn't be happening. So, to me, if he has, you know, he's lost, um, he shouldn't be getting that fight, really. But
0: Josh Warrington's got a blue tick.
1: I <laughs> just checked. Um, Stop being a muppet, Josh. Save your eight <laughs> quid.
0: <People don't laughs> well, no, he's, he's not paid for it. He's been given it. So, I suppose he's verified for just being famous. Former world title holder so on it. So.
1: what's the difference? We're going back to Twitter. What's the difference, then, between pay? Is there a di- two different blue ticks? How do you know the difference yeah. between verified you can click and it. paying?
0: So, if you click on the blue tick, it'll say, this is... Uh, an account that has been paid for via right, okay. Twitter Blue, or there'll be one that'll say this is a legacy account. It may or may not be verified anymore because he had a blue tick before Elon Musk took over. Uh, I didn't realise. I thought that was just one in the same. And then gold tick, but yeah, that's what I mean. That's why people are paying for it because they want to look like the famous. So you get muppets who who's
1: sad enough that they then click on the blue of tick. No, but click on the blue tick to be like oh. Let's see if they're a legacy person Me?
0: or. <laughs> Do Jesus. It all time. You've got too much time on your hands, mate. Well, That's Twitter for you. Um, we've got to go into the main fight then. So, the fight that I know you're looking forward to more than any fight this year, probably more so than any UFC fight. I know that John Jones' return and first fight at heavyweight pales in comparison to this spectacle in, uh, in Saudi Arabia. Jet Paul, Tommy Fury. Um, Paul at the press conference was giving it the big one. It was quite funny to watch. It was like giving it a big one and said that he wanted to do an all or nothing for the purse, to which um, Tommy Fury looked a bit sceptical about until John Fury turned around and said, yeah, he'll do it. And I don't think you was particularly happy about that. Um, speaking of which, the odds on bet 365 have Paul as the favourite, odds on favourite, to 4-5 and Fury 11-10, to 10, so quite similar. Uh, the fight to go to the distance is also odds on. It looks like they will be back in uh, to be a points win either way. Still going with Fury, or have you changed your mind? I feel like I've got sucked into this one, that it shouldn't be... To- How has
1: it been? I mean, it, to the extent that my some of my mates' groups that where we talk about actual boxing fights, I've been talking about this this week and sending pictures through of the stats of their reach and shit like that. And I'm like, this, I can't remember you doing this for when we was like, Klitschko, fury and like big fights like that so i don't know how somehow the world has been conned into this bullshit that two a youtuber and a
0: love island yeah love
1: island attendee are getting a massive pay-per-view um but no i'm i'm still going with fury i don't think I've got to ask I, why, I want...
0: because I, I've got... I was telling you earlier on, I've been getting so much slack and so much stick about this, because I'm still going with Jake Paul. Um, let me read out this particular message that I got from one of my mates, just to obviously say how, how good we are um, on this podcast, particular podcast. Fuck me, you deluded cunt. How have you got a boxing podcast when I said that <laughs> I thought Jake Paul would win? Um I, I just can't see Tommy Fury winning it. I think he is the most dog shit fighter I've ever seen get to this sort of standing. He has fought bums his entire career. He can knock people out. He's got no knockout power despite this weird video that went round of him punching one of those boxing machines and people have decided is the biggest thing since Berta Biev. I, I just think he's a poor boxer and if there's any justice in boxing, I disagree with the majority of people who think that Jake Paul is, is ruining the sport. Jake Paul knocks him out and then gets sparked out by a proper boxer.
1: Are you telling me that, it, you just use the words, if there's any justice,
0: that yeah. fucking
1: Jake Paul hasn't got a hiding coming to him from someone and debatable whether Tommy F- uh, Fury is the man to hand it out, but when, it's a, a when, not if. He is getting flatlined by someone, and I just fucking hope this is it. Because ultimately, probably for both these guys, the one thing that you probably we probably can agree on is it's a long way back for either of their careers. For the loser, it's a finishing,
0: it's, it's a finishing it's, note it's, for either boxing career.
1: I would say Paul, given his fucking YouTube following, the fact that he seems to have loads of kids wanting to play, probably has got a better chance of bouncing back from a loss than Fury. I would probably say agree with you. I think he's absolutely done, but any remote hype or actual legitimacy of them being boxers, the loser g- is gone. I mean, 100%. to be fair, the... Hype I don't
0: think there's any legitimacy for the say. winner, Yeah, to be yeah, p- politics, honest, but... but the way that this works for me is Tommy Fury gets sparked because I think Tommy Fury is an absolute waste of space um, as a boxer. Like, as I don't know him as a person. But I, I cannot stand watching his fights and I cannot stand watching people hyping up and giving him props when he just isn't a good boxer whatsoever he is so easy to telegraph this isn't me saying that I could knock him out obviously because I'm not a boxer but anyone who is a professional who has plied his trade all that and put all this work into would spark out Tommy Fury without even a moment's hesitation he is really easy to telegraph he's really slow his jab is the most obvious jab and he doesn't block uh, or guard as he should do Jake Paul on the other hand I'm not disagreeing. It also isn't a, a very good boxer, very easy to telegraph. At least he shows some sort of effort to put on a show. He is lacking in guard easily. And I think if you had a good boxer, as we've already discussed, you could have someone just jab his head off. Um, and he tries to go for this right overhand all the time. And it, it lands sometimes. And then sometimes it just looks silly. he goes around a bit like a monkey, a bit like an ape. He's got his arms down by his side instead. Um, as I say, I think the rumours are that if Jake Paul... In fact, it's not even a rumour anymore, it's we'll confirmed confirm, it? But if Jake Paul wins, he gets ranked in the WBC. If he gets ranked as a cruiserweight in the WBC, he's then got to fight someone who is in the top 15. Please, God, again, if there's any justice. And that would be the best outcome. Tommy Fury gets sparked out. Jake Paul goes and fights Berta Biev. Berta Biev kills him.
1: We, we, I mean, we, we discussed this at the gym. I... Follow your logic, and I don't disagree on that. There's no way in the world if Paul does win that he takes on the mandatory or the top 15 person he's given. He'll dodge it to fight another celebrity or bum because he he might be many things. I'm not convinced that he's bought into his own hype that he's actually a boxer. I think he does a very good job of selling the fights. I think he knows deep down he's getting laid out when he fights someone at a certain level. So I would disagree. Where I disagree with you is. I don't think even he believes that he could be a top 15 ranked cruiserweight and he doesn't get seriously injured. So I think even if he goes in the 15, he'll then dodge it again and he'll, he, he, maybe go... Up. The, ne- the next one for me that I could see him trying to fight is like... He said he really fought a legend in terms of Anderson Silva. It would not surprise me to see him taking on someone like a, a Roy Jones Jr., a... Definitely not Tyson, but a 50-year-old boxer next. So I don't think there's any way he ends up fighting a proper full-time professional boxer.
0: I don't disagree because he's been calling out Nate Diaz and he's also been calling out Conor McGregor while this has all been going on as well. um, Just to add to all these... That he's like
1: 30 pounds bigger, well, maybe not Conor given his his current um, size, but he's... He's 40 pounds heavier than the, uh, the the weight that Diaz fought at at 155. Do you know what I mean? For, for, you know, 186, they're fighting at something like that. Like, stop calling out little men. If you're going to call someone out, at least call someone out the fucking
0: same size as you. He has been called out on, funnily enough, uh, is it El, uh, Ariel Hawane's podcast? What's the name of this podcast? The Summer Hour, something like that. I'm I talking nonsense. Anyway, he had KSI on. And KSI went on and said he hopes that Jake Paul wins because he is intending to knock him out by the end of the year and prove that he is a fraud and show his dominance in the boxing uh, stage. He said he'd be annoyed if Tommy Fury wins because then he'll have to go and beat both men, but he'll do it easily. So that's where it's both going, isn't it? I I agree. I, I can't. We're only joking when it comes to someone like Burt Biev, because can you imagine Jake Paul versus Burt Biev? That I'd would love to be. I'd see it be over and around
1: <laughs> ten seconds in Less, the, first, yeah. the first body punch that Burt <laughs> lands, he's going to fold him in half. But um, I know we've said about it before. Probably sound like we're banging an old drum here, but I have to be consistent. Don't hate the player, hate the game. And over the weekend, I saw my nephew, only thirteen. Not interested in boxing at all. We were down the uh, pub watching a bit of the football, um, and the advertising flashed up, and he said to his dad, "Are we going to watch? Uh, are we going to get that boxing?" And I was like, "Oh, you are interested in boxing, are you, mate?" Yeah. No, I like Jake Paul. So he is sadly getting eyes on the sport, no matter how much we dislike it. As genuine fans, he's bringing sports. It will be.
0: I have no doubt it will be the biggest pay per view this year, which is disgusting. Really, to think about. When you've got some of the, the fights that are apparently proposed for this year, do you think it'd do more than Fury Usyk if that did happen, which is obviously in doubt at the moment? If it doesn't, it'll be bloody close.
1: You think? It really sadly, it really yeah, because it, it's a whole new audience, isn't it? Like my 13-year-old nephew, who's not even into boxing, wants to watch it. it it's, how much is it on BT Box Office? Like 25, 26 quid?
0: It'll be like 19. He'll
1: yeah. talk his dad into getting that for him. Whereas when they're the proper pay-per-views like that, no, 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 seem to be like 30. I think 30 is the amount that you have to be a real fan to be like, do you know what? I'm going to pay 30 quid to watch that. You get
0: significantly more dirty for boxing than you would in UFC in terms of viewership.
1: Uh, certainly, in the UK, in America, I mean, again, I think vast, vast majority of pay-per-views in America, uh, in UFC, are from America. Probably like eighty or ninety percent. And obviously, in England, they even limit the number of events that are pay-per-view. Basically, unless Connor's fighting or it's a huge, uh, you know, centennial card, they don't even do it. It's just on. Question I'm going to put
0: forward it? to you: Then do you reckon this gets more? Suppose it's an obvious answer, but more money on the back of the pay per view than John Jones's heavyweight debut does. Undoubtedly. Does that disgust you? A hundred percent. Look <laughs> at my face. I,
1: to my very, very core. And it won't even be close. Like the number, I, 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 it would be multiples more of people watching that and making more pay per views than John Jones Garnet, which, as you say, literally is disgusting. Abhorrent to my very core.
0: But to be fair, one will be sort of the fight of the year and might be talked about for years to come, and the other one is John Jones-Garner. Um, we'll move on then. Connor Ben seems to be in quite a few eggs, if you believe what's coming out quite recently. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure you've read into this, because I know we've had this conversation, and I'm sure that you'll have had many a sleepless night uh researching Everything to do with this subject. Do you believe it? Is it nonsense? Are the WBC talking shit? How long you got? (laughs) Fucking no
1: sleep last night. I went down a clomiphene rabbit hole. So I am, weirdly, I've got a few notes on this, but I wish my retention of memory was as good in daily life as it was on topics that I'm interested in. So overview... For people listening, is the, the the breaking news is that Connor was Connor Ben has been cleared by the WBC, not by the British Board of Boxing, in terms of his uh his test. And they say there's so many intricacies to this that you don't read in the normal press, which is why I ended up down a rabbit hole. Because I'm the type of person I want to know why. Don't just tell me some shit. Why and how can that happen? So he's been cleared by the WBC. British Board of Boxing investigation is still going on, so he can't fight in the UK. He, they, the, the WBC have had accepted his explanation, which is, I ate too many eggs, which is why he popped for clomiphene. So I couldn't find any particularly good explanations about this, which hence why I ended up reading at one in the morning last night, medical studies on clomiphene and Googling shit like do chickens take clomiphene so clomiphene do is... hang on, do chickens take oh, you,
0: no, like they're injecting my internet history
1: would be for someone <laughs> fucking trying to leak shit to the press and be like what the fuck is this guy googling but um so what, what, what do, i do? I'll start with my 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 view and then we'll rewind and go through it but from everything i read and some more expert opinions, certainly on steroids than me, the the consensus seems to be you would be a moron to take clomiphene deliberately as a performance-enhancing drug. Highlights of my research are it stays in your system for four months and it's not naturally produced by your body. If there's any sign of it in your body, you've been taking it. The the benefit of it is it is an estrogen inhibitor so the release of hormones in the body as i understand it and read last night is regulated by a feedback loop by your brain so if you your brain thinks there's no estrogen it tells your body to release estrogen mainly because it release estrogen is why it's used as a fertility drug for women but equally this is again what i'm going into my research is men have estrogen and is a natural balance to testosterone so if your body thinks you need oestrogen it will react by giving you more oestrogen which the natural reaction then is to release testosterone as well so the clinical studies of which i read said it had about anywhere between a three and a four fold increase on your testosterone so it has a massive impact in terms of testosterone production and therefore the benefits of taking as a performance enhancing drug the 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 science seemed to say you would be stupid to take this, as I said, because it doesn't occur naturally. So from what I read is that would leave the two obvious options is that either he took it unwittingly, which would in- indicate with the eggs, or he thought he was getting a designer steroid, which is designed to loop round tests, and it was tainted in some way. So... I went deep there. and I even... Okay. <laughs> Carried away. The, the only other point that I've got to mention because this comes back to—is to it bullshit or not—is that so? His explanation was, "I took too many eggs. I was eating thirty eggs a day." Is I believe that the region of what he said. He, I then stumbled across an interview from Conor Ben only six months ago, where he's talking about training in his diet, and he mentioned he's a pescatarian, so that's basically vegetarian but with fish asked specifically about what he eats, he said, I have fish three times a week. Occasionally, maybe once or twice a week, I have egg fried rice. So what's changed in six months that he's gone from occasionally egg fried rice to 30 eggs a day. So on what we do in a detective sort of way, there's some very inconsistent elements to his story.
0: Are we sure that after the chickens had been injecting one another with the clomiphene, they hadn't like sort of batched up some egg fried rice for him and uh, laid it on a plate for him.
1: I think he probably was taking something, and it's been tainted or it had Clomiphene in it. So we don't think he's innocent? Certainly not, if I'm being honest. What do I know? I'm no fucking (laughs) steroid expert, but I did spend three hours Googling. You are now. I'm a Clomiphene expert, certainly in in, in Google terms, but... there's some suspicion in his inconsistencies in the arguments lining up. To go from six months ago, barely, barely mentioning eggs. You If you're eating 30 a day, and someone asks you about your diet, you're probably going to say, "Fuck me, I have a lot of eggs. I'm sick of fucking omelets. I'm sick of fucking egg fried rice." To then, and if we look at that window and break it down, what again I said, it's in your system for at least four months. That gives on a detective basis, a two month window where he's gone from occasional egg fried rice to thirty eggs a day. Seems a stretch.
0: It does, however, just to rebut that, you have thought quite recently that you have an intolerance to gluten and have completely messed your diet up to the point where you were eating rice and chicken every night for the past (laughs) for the past what is it like two months or whatever? So you can change your diet very, very quickly. And he might have just decided, you know what? Fucking love eggs. I'm going to absolutely smash these eggs. And it's going to make me a really good fighter so I can knock out um, Junior next time we fight him. Completely fair rebuttal. Uh, and weirdly, now
1: that you say that, given the amount of chicken I have had, why have I not got loads of in me? Is it eggs? You might do. You don't know? <laughs> I certainly am not having loads of testosterone. Uh, it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't feel
0: like because I should be getting uh, shredded. But no, Google, but Google say, does clomatheme keep you up at night. And it might be that. M-
1: maybe. We've, we've, <laughs> we've, we've, we've detected, we've reverse engineered why I can't sleep. But um, yeah, I, something's most fishy to me about the story. Uh, it, it doesn't, it might be the worst, worst excuse I think I've heard for steroid use since um, Canelo's um, Mexican meat? Tainted uh, pork, I think, was it? or well, beef. When you he say popped, that,
0: But how popped. many different excuses have boxers got away with recently when it comes to doping? There are so many different ones that you could just rattle off. You've got fury.
1: Again, we go back to to looking at, at holes. Why is it taking him this long to come up with this and not say when he post- tested positive, not once but twice... Ah, it's probably because I was eating a load of eggs. The other thing that I did find, again, just to clear up any confusion on this, he his test was returned positive by VADA. That's with a V, which is the Voluntary Anti-Doping Association. He's been cleared by VADA, WADA, sorry, which is the World Anti-Doping Association. Very confusing with a W and a V difference, and I sound exactly the same on both. But they have different test thresholds the voluntary because you are voluntarily agreeing to testing has a higher standard and a high, is, is seen as the more conclusive evidence so he's failed on one criteria of, of a, testing, uh, a testing body but past the other that seems again slightly suspicious to me.
0: You say that and just going back to the how it's essentially an absolute joke these days in boxing and The accepted reasons as to why professional athletes testing positive for PEDs is an absolute joke. You've got Connor Ben now adding to it with eggs. You had Billy Joe Saunders, which was nasal spray. You had uh, Dillian White, which is my favourite one, where he had apparently fed his dogs Diana Ball and that had contaminated his own food. And it's just it's nonsense, but people always get away with it. And I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that Conor Ben will be cleared by the, the British Board, uh, British Boxing Board of Control. And I can see him fighting junior. It's almost as if they pay people off, not pay, but like
1: let's see how large a fucking bullshit we can give. What I don't and what doesn't baffles me with ones like that is is the excuse that you get in the UFC where they have a far higher and more stringent use because they have VADA there, is tainted supplement, which is basically, and there is evidence that people have, that that is a genuine thing, but I think we've talked about it before because of my in-depth knowledge of steroids, that often actually genuinely certified supplements will be made in the same vat as somewhere that makes steroids so it can be tainted. To, but that is a very obvious excuse to be like hey i didn't take any shit but i popped anyway and i, I that that would seem the obvious and more easier to get away with example of when you've pissed hot and you're trying to cover it up would we'll be like hey hang on i was just taking that protein powder i didn't realize and and maybe whoever's made it in china or or mexico were making clomiphene as well but to come up with I was eating 30 eggs a day and the chickens are dosed up on anti-fertility drugs. So that's given me, because of the trace elements of it, but factually speaking, from my research, what I would say, it is possible.
0: Any further evidence this week with regards to Islam's cheating at all? I know we discussed this last week. It uh, doesn't seem to be anything else that's come out. Is it Nothing
1: just... concrete, but the plot did thicken and I posted that on Twitter where talk about a fucking moronic person being involved in fighting, which I've never been big biggest fan anyway, but I think it's Abdulaziz, as I think is his name, isn't it, who is basically a manager of fighters, manages quite a stable of fighters, had posted something along the lines of, Islam wasn't cheating, he... Did take an IV, but it's allowed. And he even gave some dosage of milligrams. And then um, Detective Hawani commented and said, "No, that's not true. What are you talking about." And next thing, it's deleted. So talk about trying to stitch up your own fighter. Why would you even go on and say something like that? But that's the only trait. There's no any, anything else. And again, in the new cycle that we're in, it seems to have died down. No one seems to have asked any further questions about that. Or Press the point of. Well, hang on, your manager who just said that you were doing it and gave the wrong dosage that you. You are allowed. What have you got to say about that? So I, I don't know. If it, Islam is not exactly Mister Media anyway, and maybe he's not not been around and laying low to be asked. But surely any we talk about the stupid questions that journalists ask. Have you paid the taxes? Fucking that nonsense. Surely anyone. The moment Islam's next on the mic is. Did you see this tweet from your manager? Is it true? That ha- like why is no one asking that question to him? Or trying to uh, m- maybe they are and they've just got no response.
0: Did you know he's got a blue tick? He's managed to a muppet
1: will be paying for him. He, <laughs> he makes probably a ridiculous amount of money and every time I ever see him he's a cringe-worthy. I mean he's like the don king of bo- uh, of the of UFC would be probably an uh, analogy for boxing people. He's just some crazy lunatic asshole nobody likes. And he's a bit of a dingbat, and you even wonder how have you got into this really
0: what would seem cool position, position yeah. of just managing fighters. Didn't pay for it. It's a legacy account, so uh He's a cock. Every time I've seen him <laughs> interviewed, I can't stand the
1: man. I literally can't stand him. And I, I genuinely it annoys me because that what a great job. Manager of fighters. Like I'd love that. I'd be fucking great at that. And I see this moron. <laughs> Incriminating his own fighters a what a dingbat
0: so yeah i can't stand him He's, he gets right on my tits i can't tell me i can't tell um bonner segment then so named after the late Stefan bonner this is the point of the show which we review and discuss some of the greatest and most memorable fights in mma history give our listeners a little bit of fun homework usually we will post the fight to watch on our twitter page for the following week and then we'll run through it uh, last week, you chose the five-round brawl between Robbie Lawler and Carlos Conduit. Is correct. UFC 195?
1: Right. Um, correct. I'm going to hold my hands up, given that we always get bang on, that this is the way for people to watch and get into MMA with some of the great fights. Definitely not as good as I remember watching it back. Dog shit. Uh, I went five-rounder, which <laughs> can be a struggle for hardcore fans anyway, Um Definitely not as good as I remember. Um, Fifth round was a barnstormer. It was a good round, I'm not going to lie. I mean, quick overview of it. It was for the World Weight Championship, uh, 3rd of uh, January 2016. Seems ages ago, but actually not, you know, just over seven years ago. When they went in, you you had, at the time, Lawler, 26, 10 and 1, in terms of his, and was a champ, against Condit, who for was the WEC welterweight champion and then dropped off the radar a little bit he came in with a record of 30 wins eight losses so both you know respectable records um and was billed as a good fight um we'll go through a few of the rounds uh in a second but I'm gonna call it a robbery watching it back it wasn't as good as I remember and I think Condit was robbed absolutely robbed
0: I think that's the first time that you've actually said on any of these for, for, I, I'll be
1: honest, as much as people slam the judges on a lot of the ones we've done, I tend to agree with them the majority of the time. But on this one, first round, so if we were quick, Condit looked really good to start with. Very long, very rangy, keeping Lawler, who's a bit of a you know a, a brawler and a very powerful puncher at, at, at range. Um, Condit dropped him with, a, with a, an uppercut and, and Lawler recovered pretty well. Um, and then more sort of work from, from distance for Conduit. I had first round, 10-9 Conduit. Second round, a little bit close. Rounds two, three, and four were were, were all quite close. Uh, and you, I could see there's arguments how they could go either way. But for me, uh, two, um, again, Conduit keeping the distance, respecting uh, Lawler's power, and Lawler actually then drops him, piles on him, starts pouring it on, uh, and... and, and you could see that Robbie Lawler was a lot more considered in his strikes. By the end of the second round, it was an, in terms of an output was three to one in terms of strikes. Condit was doing three times as many as Lawler, so a lot more output. I had the second round to Lawler ten nine. Three was a bit probably the quietest round. Become a little bit of a slugfest, but was a bit closer. I gave it ten nine to Condit. I thought he was the more effective user, user of, uh, of the strikes. And the same before was very, very close again. uh, Condit poured it on a little bit at the end. I had it 10-9 Condit. Um, Round five, by this point, again, we talk about good cornering. The corners in between rounds and the commenters about saying, Lawler probably needs a knockout to win this. So he's he's probably down three to one is how I had him at this point. That seemed to be the general consensus on, uh, you know, from the corner as well as the commentators. Back in the little shout out back in the good old days when we had Mike Goldberg. Uh, With Rogan, the the original pairing. Goldberg is the, you've talked about before, is your your sort of hype man. The most outrageous and hyperbolic statements ever Goldberg used to do. It got cut from the UFC three or four years ago, but I have very fond memories of him commentating. I can't remember where he is now, maybe Bellator or something like that. Towards the end, Lawler turns it on and starts to to smash Condit. And if it had gone another minute, there'd been problems. Bell goes, they're literally... The moment the ball goes, they both turn and leaned against the cage. Absolutely exhausted. And that was a decent round. I had it 10-9 Launa, So ultimately, 48-47 for me, Condit.
0: I'm going to say it's interesting that you should say that because I'm just looking at the actual scorecards. And Tony Weeks, who was the only judge to have given it to Condit, agreed with you entirely to so every round that you said he's given the same way. So the first round, he's gone Condit. um, Second round, he's gone Lawler. Third and fourth, he's gone Condit. And then fifth, he's gone to Lawler. The biggest issue that you have in the rest of the scorecards, and they all look to be pretty much identical, apart from the third round. So the third round, um, you've got the other two judges, so Derek Clearly, and Chris Lee both gave the third round to Lawler rather than to Condit.
1: That was the closest. The third was the closest. But I'll be honest, I, I... When two judges gave it 40, yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I remember thinking, I, did, I remember watching it at the time and remember it being a far better and more interesting fight than it actually was. It wasn't, bar the fifth round, is quite as exciting as I recall. But um, out of the ones that we've discussed in a long ways, that has the best shout for a robbery in a long time for me, watching it back, I was, uh, Condit could be outraged at that one, I thought. I, I I think it was pretty clear. I think I've got a quick stat for you here. By the this is the end of the fifth round, total strikes, three hundred and ninety-four from Condit to ninety-seven from Norla. So that's gone to four to one. Four to one output. Now, output doesn't necessarily mean that you win, but if you've thrown and therefore landed four times as many strikes as someone else, that has to be back to the judging criteria, effect more effective striking and therefore score more points.
0: You go down the the significant strikes per round. Round 1, Lawler, 12 strikes. Significant strikes landed of 18. Condit's 28 of 75. Round 2, 10 for Lawler, 17 for Condit. Round 3, 11 for Lawler, 22 for Condit. Round 4, 6 for Lawler, 47 for Condit. And then the fifth round, which obviously went to Lawler, 53, to 62 for Condit. So he outlanded him in every single round. So it's an interesting point. Um obviously it wasn't as far reaching as some of the other fights that we've we've done, and I'm I'm shocked to see you so aggrieved for once, to be honest.
1: Yeah, and you know I I've I've just realised in my own error as well that I think What we said was previously, uh, to try and make these enjoyable as well, we were going to alternate from particularly me when it was five-rounders that aren't everybody's cup of tea to more maybe really good fights that were a great brawl, that my next pick is also a five-round fight.
0: Ah, good. I'm so excited to uh, go home and watch this one then.
1: Now this, again, I'll be honest, I haven't watched this back, but I do remember this. I remember watching this one live, and this, I think, is a far better fight than um this one and it also has a little bit of um timing and sort of relevancy so that fight and we'll post this uh, on on the socials as we normally do John Jones versus Alexander Gustafsson one for the heavyweight title
0: at UFC don't know ah you <sighs> We've made a, a joke that lasted throughout all these episodes about us casual fans and then you diehards and you can't even name me the correct event. And now you're playing videos in background and ruining the podcast. I'm trying to find it what? quickly <laughs> uh, and then on YouTube
1: and then it comes up. But um, no, don't know. Um, it would be a 180 maybe if I had to guess. Like that one between the 170s and the 190s, it's a, going back of probably a, a fair while,
0: but um, 165 six, five. close to be fair, one too far off, but um,
1: yeah, and obviously that leads us on to next week, is maybe just by me more than anyone else, John Jones' long awaited heavyweight debut,
0: mm. as we said, the potentially the second biggest fight of the year, other than Fury and Paul,
1: maybe. It just hasn't made waves because it hasn't hit fight week yet, but it doesn't seem to be as much clamour around it as much as I expected there to be.
0: I, I'll i be honest, I think there is just as much as I expected because I, UFC doesn't get the hype that a lot of other sports... Boxing clearly has much better promotion and it's not even close. Unless it's a McGregor fight, I don't think you'll get many people knowing eh who John Jones is, but B, being excited for his return, and he's obviously his first heavyweight fight. That's the sad nature of the sport, unfortunately. Tell me, That's me I'm where...
1: wrong here, but surely John Jones has to be the second biggest star in the UFC after Conor. Currently? Yeah. yeah. In terms of star power, and that people know and want to watch, he has to be number two. In my eyes, clearly, Conor's always going to be number one, and no one's even close to that. But surely, if you're talking star power, in inverted commas, it has to be John Jones. The bad boy and all of his out of octagon misdemeanours and shit that he's done, as well as his almost flawless record of only one loss by decision, uh, sorry, by disqualification, in which he absolutely smashed Matt Hamill, he has to be the number two star, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, well, I don't disagree. I, I think it's just even Connor's pull into the UFC, which is, is quite strong and is clearly the strongest that the UFC have seen ever, maybe? Easily. Um isn't on the same level as someone like Tyson Fury and that's just the unfortunate nature of the sport that's not to do with they're not promoting it as much but they obviously to use the phrase that you use quite a lot the casual nature of people you're going to get a lot more casual fans watching boxing because it's easier to get into and to be quite honest I think the biggest thing is the timing so because it's more an American or predominantly American it's more in the Las Vegas area is that the bigger fights. The time frame, more people are gonna be wanna watch in boxing, which is, you know, around seven o'clock UK time, GMT, than staying up till four AM to watch what arguably might be one of the most historic fights ever in John Jones going to heavyweight. So I mean the
1: only if in the equation for me is and this shit is real, is ring rust. So, um, you think he's gonna lose? What if he loses? I I mean, I've been wrong before. It it doesn't happen very often, but it could be. But three years out of the cage is a long time for anybody. I did see on the few jaunts onto Twitter that I do have. Someone again, he's one that clearly has some. I think John Jones just trains and goes on Twitter, but he will quite often respond to people directly. And someone said to him, "Is." Is ring rust a problem for you? Is that something you're worried about? And is, is that words, well, words with this effect were well, no, I've been more active training in the last three years than I've previously. And that was one of the 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 thing the the myths behind John Jones and particularly that fight that we talked about with Gustafsson is he apparently didn't even train for that fight. Literally, no training at all, rocked up, goes five rounds against arguably the number two like every weight in the world at that point, and beats him. And He's obviously put on a Spoilers. massive amount of bulk. True, yes. Uh, puts on a, well, I just said earlier in the fight that he's only ever lost one, one by uh, disqualification. So uh, you could have worked that out, I suppose. But um, he has put on a massive amount of bulk. Has that altered his speed and affected his frame and his ability? Has, the only other query, has father time started to creep up on him? Because three years out of the cage for someone who I, th- I think he might be Thirty-three, thirty-four. so he's lost three years of a potentially his athletic prime so that there is there is a more probably doubts against John Jones in this fight than there's ever been before but I think he's the type of person that excels to the challenge and will put it on Garnet and throw himself straight back into the pound for pound rankings easily goes top three with a win back again and cements his state
0: potentially is the GOAT I don't think that your heart could take it if he loses this fight. I think, with everything that's happened um, with Anderson Silva, for example, getting embarrassed by a YouTuber, um, everything that's happening with Liverpool at the moment, I think just to top it off, if John Jones gets knocked out, I think the podcast might come might to an end. Might be the end. last podcast <laughs> where I'm feeling at the moment.
1: Just after watching Liverpool this week, there's, there might be no comeback from that.
0: Well before we get on to Liverpool um, we'll go on to the sad news of the podcast John Motson um, has died aged 77 so he celebrated half a century in commentary in 2018 so quite recently and during his long distinguished career covered 20 major international tournaments Um statement released by his family said that he died peacefully in his sleep on Thursday just gone he is arguably one of, if not the, voice of football for the last God knows how many years. Obviously, Martin Tyler has started to go into it and a lot of more modern commentators almost certainly were inspired by Motson. Um, he has commentate, commentated on things like the crazy gang beating Culture Club in 1988 when Wimbledon upset the odds to beat you in the FA Cup uh, final. Um, I think you just won the league at that point didn't you? Um, but yeah, the, the 1-0 uh, win there, Gaza's tears in Turin um, Gaza sink in Scotland commentated on the 5-1 win against Germany for England all sorts um, very very sad I think this
1: super sad, I mean uh, greatest commentator ever by a long way, no one's even getting close to that um, all of the glowing attributes that come out of him, talked of his Dedication to his craft, his professionalism, his his attention to detail. Even up, up up until recently, when he retired, he would just spend hours trawling through stats to have ready to, to to whip them out on on the broadcast. And to your point, unless you are maybe five, six, seven, or younger, he is the voice of football for every for certainly for my generation. I think for yours. I think, for generations older than mine as well. He, he has to be... He's just synonymous with football, isn't he? I, abs- I would expect uh, And his coat. Be... Yeah, and his His trademark he's coat caught, and his big absolutely. microphone, his sheepskin coat. Um, and ha- in some ways, it hasn't, if I'm being brutally honest, hasn't got quite the love or the focus in the news that it deserves.
0: Yeah, I, I don't disagree. You've had people coming out like um, Clive Tildesley, came out and said that as a teenager he wanted to be John Motson and nobody else. Um, obviously he had some dedications from people like uh, Gary Lineker, I think put something on Twitter. Jamie Carragher certainly came out. Um, Martin Tyler, as I said earlier, definitely came out and, and basically raved about how upstanding he was and, and what a lovely, lovely man he was. So, um, yeah, very, very sad news about that and uh, RIP to Mottie. Um In funnier news, Champions League... Um, was quite entertaining this week, wouldn't you agree? Anything's funnier than death, isn't it? But um, <laughs> I mean, it was the death of our hopes
1: of a title fight, uh, a t- a t- of a champion, of a, another Champions League run, and I don't remember being quite so deflated by football in such a long time, and i have remained deflated the whole of the week from that. Never, it's like a Cats fucking help. kick to the nuts. When you tune it up, I, I, I'd i said to you before the game, I, I fancied us. I have to be honest. The back of a couple of wins, we'd look like we'd put a little bit of form together uh, in the wins against Everton and Newcastle. Started to feel our way back towards the team and the performances we could. I called it that we'd win 3-1. <laughs> <laughs> we raced out, didn't we? Good start, back to the old I've, days. I've of... got
0: to read the text out it. Literally, I've been waiting for this point of the podcast. Smug prick. (laughs) Great start. Perfect ball. Poor keeping that. sells the nerves and something to build on. Fabinho Key tonight looks back in form and is dominating the park. And then first glimpse of Gakpo. Magic from Nunes as well, defensively. And then cut through them. They've been pretty gashed so far. If we take a three-goal lead to Madrid, I can't see us throwing it away. That's the one I knew you were <laughs> going to
1: throw that back in my face when it was two and a half. I'm like, we're going to have it. Got it. I, knew, I knew you were going to say that. The next
0: text, fuck, prick, what's he doing? Fucking clear it, heartbreaker. What the fuck are we doing? Noose at the ready. I
1: think the noose at the ready was when it was 3-2, not even when it was 5-2. By that point, I'd just gone off radar. I'm getting loads of stick from people. I just was not. I was literally... If I would have thrown my phone, I could have. I just sat there. I was just like, I'm just fucking. You stopped texting
0: guys. me at three two. We literally got to the point where I am like, oh, what, what are these subs, mate? Oh, it's very defensive, and then just nothing. Just didn't see it. i was getting day.
1: loads of people just saying, "What's the score? What's the as the football going?" I was just, ah, oh, fuck off. But I don't. The, 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 it was. Yeah, I, just can't even, I can't even bring myself to. I feel like crying. I can't even bring myself to articulate how much of a gut punch it was when you tune her up like we started with. It kind of rubbed it in that we, I mean, it makes it even more horrendous. The fact that one of those goals we were gifted by an absolute clangor from Courtois. So it gave the veneer that we were, had a chance in the cup more than we did. We were absolutely garbage after that. Well, I still blame Alison Ali- in a lot of ways. If we had gone in at half-time 2-1 up with something to cling on to, it might have been slightly different. But going in absolutely savaged and no momentum, and then what was it, three or four minutes into the second half when they scored that header? From that point on... An
0: unmarked header. Just,
1: oh, they were playing a high line. We met... They weren't that good. As, it, as evidenced by my, my text edit, they looked gash. But they absolutely carved us open at the back every time. Even with Virgil there, we were playing this ridiculously high line against someone as quick and tricky as as, as Vinicus, uh, and someone as astute as Benzema. And ah, oh, it was.
0: I thought that Gomez had a very good game.
1: Very good ten minutes, maybe. <laughs> like I, I just.
0: He had a shocker. We were absolutely terrible. It just an absolute bomb scare every time ball went in. I thought that.
1: Every time they got the ball, yeah, they looked. They looked like like they were I mean, Vinicus particularly in the first. the first half as well. I mean, magic first goal. Nearly did it again. Ex- literally identical. Really good save, by Alisson. But gets lucky. But if you don't put yourself in the same way that Mo did, if you're not there to put pressure on the keeper, you're not going to get a chance. But absolutely woeful.
0: It was and- summed up by the the final goal, so the fifth goal, where it's a break. Uh, they hit you on the break as they've been trying to do all game. Gets to the edge of the box. Benzema turns. Three players dive in and make himself look stupid. And he just passes it into the top corner. Just like
1: I mean, it was a classy finish. A brilliant, right? yeah. He's a brilliant
0: player, but um, you can't do that as a defend as a defensive group. Never mind as a single defender. But so you, I don't know if I'll come back from that one. Will you be um, looking at the, watching the draw? Maybe. We... No. <laughs> you think you'd probably miss that one? I mean, the
1: I did think about this. We, we need to Istanbul it to get to Istanbul no chance yeah
0: absolutely no chance and I'll, I'll be honest Klopp deserves this for saying last year where is the final book your tickets for it and book the hotel why would you say it you're but, just I mean, asking for the. I mean to be
1: trouble. fair to me, if you're giving him shit didn't he actually come out and basically say the tie's done so
0: even he said of course say, he did because it is done because he's basically he's not no really going to yeah, we'll you it. can't
1: just admit and roll out. you've got to at least give out some modicum of well, you never know if we get the first goal. Even everyone knows it's
0: over. But as a manager, you can't just say, yeah, it's over. No, but he clopped it. He came out and he said, um, in this moment, I think he said, in this moment, the tie is finished. But it's not over yet. So he didn't come out and outright say, yeah, we're absolutely shit. And there's absolutely no chance we go to a and overturn a three-goal deficit. Because I'll be honest, I don't see it personally.
1: Stranger thing have happened. And as a Liverpool fan, with 3-0, there's always an affinity to that but the problem is it needs to be more than 3-0 because of the away go- they got five no away, away goals. goals so we go to h they- yeah they, they got rid of away goals a couple of years ago oh, so there you go then so we only need a magical 3-0 victory no chance just
0: not for me if it was
1: the other way round I'd have a glimmer of hope which was if we're bringing it back to Anfield and had to win yeah. 3-0 a bit like we did to, against Barcelona when we 4-0'd we them and we were 3-0 down but to go away to the Burnabout in the form we're in and the way that we are playing Nah, even as the most hopeful Liverpool fan, I don't see a possibility.
0: I, mean, I don't see it personally either. But um, weirdly, I don't think one English team has won in the Champions League in this round, have they? Spurs didn't win, City didn't win, Chelsea didn't win, and you didn't win. It's got to be the first time in a while that's happened. Yeah. Which, which is weird, isn't it? Because obviously you always get people saying that other leagues are farmers' leagues and, and all this stuff, but it looks like I mean the two German the teams, teams seem
1: to excel themselves better than most people would give them credit for in terms of Dortmund against Chelsea and, and Leipzig, Leipzig against City
0: Leipzig were poor I, I watched that Leipzig were poor and City just weren't ruthless enough they didn't make a sub all game it was really weird well that was the day that I, I haven't watched a game of football since <laughs> I'm, I've
1: are you absolutely... watching this weekend
0: any games I, I I couldn't tell you how out of love with football I feel at the moment I, I just boo who because while we're on that, Leeds lost again. And now we're dangerously close to the bottom of the table. Sitting 19th. We were managerless until a few days ago. Everton beat us in probably the worst display that I've seen Leeds engage in in years and years. And that's even under Jesse Marsh. Um, Garcia has now been appointed. Uh, Javi Garcia. Opinions on this? Have you? Do you know much about him? Have you seen his history? or Do you remember him at Watford?
1: memory at Watford didn't didn't in my memory particularly make any great waves bar keeping them up you pointed out to me that he did take him to the uh of a cup final which uh had I, I honestly couldn't really remember um I think he didn't really get much of a chance from memory in terms of the second season, when he kept him up, did he? Was it like three or four games? Third
0: season that he got sacked after three. So he keeps them up, goes in in uh, 2017, 18, I think he went to him. Uh, Kept them up. So a similar position to Leeds, but not quite as perilous. I think they were actually 11th when he went in. They finished 14th, something like that. But it was at a point where they were on the backslide, I think... Everton were courting, uh, what's his name, Fulham manager, Marcos Silva at that point, and he was quite public in saying he wanted to manage Everton, which was already a good sign. Um, Gracia then came in, coached him to safety. He got an 18-month contract at that point. Do you know who he played in his first game as Watford manager? No. Are you going to say Liverpool? Southampton. No. Do you know what the score was? No. They lost 1-0, so that's not a good omen for Leeds. Um but on a wait, what, side
1: note, you think you're suddenly Spanish. Gracia. Gracia. Is it, is it just what, not Garcia? Like no, that's say, not, say it's like not an Garcia. Engli- say it like an English person. But it's Garcia. Not, it's
0: not Garcia. Is it not? Javi Garcia is... Um, didn't he play for City at one point? He's the, the other footballer. This is... I think he's in charge of someone like Benfica or Sevilla or someone like that. But this is Javi Gracia. Ah, well, I... So I'll... this is going to cause loads of issues on every podcast moving forward and also... Twitter because it's definitely gracia I feel like I need to look it up now. Grassi, def- right? Oh well, I should know the name of my own manager, but you should, yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, so he's his career is a bit of a weird one because he seems to not stay somewhere very long. So he was at Malaga for two years, um which was the most notable first team that he went to. There was a few before that, I think, like Osasuna. Uh, Malaga two year tenure led them to ninth and eighth. Did all right there. Obviously, they're not a big club. Um, Got some results against the big boys over there. So, you Madrid, you Barca. Went to Ruben Kazan. Didn't really do much. Uh, I think finished ninth in the Russian Premier League. So, not to write home about. Then, John Watford. So, he kept them up that year in the 18 19 campaign. Obviously, kept them up quite comfortably. Got to the FA Cup final. Um, they lost 6 0 to cities. Why you can't remember that? They got absolutely trounced. And then they had a bit of a hangover. After that, they lost I think it's three of the four games and then drew one of them and obviously the posters, uh sack everyone that we can possibly sack at Watford. Sacked him. A lot of Watford players came out after that quite publicly and said that they didn't agree with it. I think Mariapa came out. Troy certainly came out um, saying that they thought he was a very good manager and he could have turned it around. He didn't, obviously, because he didn't get the chance to. Went to Valencia in the year that they sold all their best players and was told that uh, they would replace them all and it would all be fine. They didn't. They were an absolute mess, and I don't know who's done well at Valencia. I think Are they in the relegation zone at the yeah, moment? They're really but struggling this year. Yeah, season. really, really poor. They used to obviously be the massive team, and they've, they've struggled since. And then took over from Xavi in his most recent job, who went to Barca from Al Saad. But he's won the Qatar Stars League, and that's the one that everyone wants in it. So I think this is a good appointment. I think it's very understated whether it keeps them up or not, I'm obviously a very massive pessimist when it comes to Leeds, I think they'll still struggle but stranger things have happened.
1: I mean the positive, if we're trying to look at the positive out is, it, it is what Leeds needed is is a bit of a new manager bounce, obviously if he came in for Watford he achieved that at the time and kept him up that year so that's a, that's a positive we've talked about this over and over again uh, off air I should say uh, but i am going to say my point again, I think you missed a trip by missing out on Dice. He was already, I believe, in the role just before you fired him. So in some ways you didn't miss out. But if you'd taken the, Mars, the action with Marsh a little bit earlier, that was the one. And Everton was starting to see the benefits now of, of a...
0: Two wins not, and three. Not yeah. the
1: greatest footballing manager, if you're going to watch a spectacle, but is the new Sam Allardyce in terms of keeping you up. I said it to you, I'd have gone Rafa. I think Rafa's the man... Given that Leeds have had a few knockbacks from people that they were looking for, Rafa's the man I would have entrusted to try and keep you up. Been there, done that in the league. You know, got his, uh, you know, earned his stripes at uh, uh, bigger teams. He's gonna have a bit of gravitas in terms of people respecting his decisions when he comes in. Um, but I certainly think there've been worse appointments. I mean, you, I think it would have and been suicide. It would have been suicide to
0: keep Skibala. Scoobs. Scoobs. He is now the first team coach, I think. So, Which is probably where he fits in. He, that's yeah, yeah. i, I yeah. do
1: d- 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 not saying sack him. I'm just saying I think you you are signing your own warrant to go down if you kept him as manager. I mean, give, I, I and get go back to what you said. I, I haven't fact-checked this. His previous uh, experience was well, futsal manager. Futsal. No right to even be a Premier League um, manager. even caretaker uh, with that level of experience you know that and I think that would have been uh, absolutely horrendous decision it would have been too late by that point if he kept on so I think they've moved relatively swiftly they've taken a few hits and knockbacks from from people that they could have
0: had I'm going to say swiftly is probably a a word that people Leeds fans mainly would disagree with on there I think they've made a complete and utter mess with this They, they said apparently, to the press, to the Athletic. They've been talking to him for two weeks. Now, I, not a chance in hell do I believe that because they were obviously speaking to Ariola, they were speaking to Slot, and then, obviously, Schroeder were at the game and was about to be appointed. So there's no way that you're telling me that they've been speaking to him behind the scenes for two weeks and this was all a smokescreen and they were getting ready to put him in place.
1: Probably about as true for saying that I popped for Peds because they ate too many fucking eggs. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I totally agree. Again, that's a face-saving point isn't it from whoever's come out and said that Raj, Raj or whoever oh yeah we, we've been talking about it for a while totally agree absolute waffle because if you've been speaking to him for two weeks well what's a been the fucking delay can. yeah yeah and he's not exactly that enamored with jobs or I would have thought people after him that you're in a bidding yeah. war I would have thought it would have been relatively straightforward to agree uh, terms with him um once he'd been identified so um Sometimes people just talk nonsense and you just see straight through it as you said, smoke
0: screen, absolute bullshit, face saving exercises. Brad Rizan is the king of, of talking nonsense, but on that or same you say smoke screen, is that a white smokescreen? <laughs> the guy's a prick. I, literally the sooner the summer comes, hopefully with Leeds to the <laughs> Premier League, and the sooner that he fucks off the better. Um on the same note of appointing a caretaker then, so obviously Leeds didn't go down the route of appointing Skabala. Southampton have, however, gone down the route of appointing their caretaker so Ruben Sellers is the manager until the end of the season officially obviously he's first a game as officially the permanent manager will be against Leeds, he got a very good result against Chelsea uh, the weekend just gone do you see this going in a similar way to what I think Bournemouth are going to go by appointing a caretaker and ultimately living to regret it so I'm going
1: to you think? Just, yeah, in this complete Accepting their own fate, given the nonsense that they'd gone through with um, Jones and her terrible appointment, that was. I'll be honest with you, I think they have probably, in a very similar position to Leeds, but maybe less publicly, have been turned down by people who want, want that job and the state of the squad. Jesse that Marsh got. didn't want it. <laughs> exactly. He, I mean, he's the only, correct me if I'm wrong there, but he's the only named manager, if you like, that have has, has publicly snubbed or they've not agreed terms with, whereas Leeds, there was a few more. That, no manager, good luck selling that one. Leeds, I still think, have got a chance. They've got a better squad. They're not as cut adrift, maybe, as as Saints, but Saints are down for me. No no manager is taking that job.
0: Do you think, so this is the big question, Um, who wins tomorrow? Do you think Leeds beat Southampton at Elland Road or do you think Southampton come away with the points? Because I think personally, and this is, again, the pessimist I'm, on the fence in the sense that I think they're almost down because we lost to Everton last weekend I think they lose this game against Southampton they are down as I, I
1: would probably agree I think we were talking I mean it seems crazy how quickly the season seems to have moved on that only a few games ago it was the midway point of the season still plenty of time to turn things around all of a sudden you know we're talking 24-25 games in and the number of games are dramatically running down and that magical 40 point limit that most people accept will absolutely keep you up is getting further and further away so um, must win I back them to do it I'll be honest I think Leeds win probably fairly far more comfortably than you would think tomorrow 2-0 bit bit of a early goal put their authority on the game uh, and probably not look like losing it I know Leeds like to not, ne- never be straightforward, like to have a bit of a, the crowd getting nervy and things, but uh, I think you'll be pretty safe tomorrow.
0: I wish I had that confidence. Um, I think they're in trouble, personally. It'd be nice to see uh, Gracia on the sidelines because I think that's a big vote of confidence for the players in that they've got someone to look at now who isn't going to be David Brent-esque on the sidelines like... Uh, Marsh was, and again, no offence to Savala, but he's not exactly a figure of authority, is he, on the sidelines? He's not somebody you look to and think, oh, I'm glad he's there, we're definitely going to get out of this. Whereas I think this appointment is not quite at the Rafa standard, who would have been a proper authority figure, and I agree in the sense that he would have been my appointment of the people who were left. But I think Gracia could still come in and not work wonders, but potentially get a, a miracle for us to get us out of this position.
1: I hope I, he's one that I hope I trust in his, his coaching methods because I, I would slightly disagree. I don't think he's a man that you look to on the sideline that would immediately think make you, as a player, stand up, take notice, respect him immediately. Like, I think, as much as people might derise Rafa in some ways, and again, you know, as an Allardyce and a Dice to some effect, are not proponents of exciting or free flowing football they command your respect and I'm I'm not so sure that that, that Grassier necessarily would, but form aside, previous background, what he did with Watford, I would say probably man for man, Watford were a worse team than Leeds are. So that's gotta give you some hope. I know you are strangely, you're far more optimistic than me as a general person. Are kind of roles reverse when it comes to football. Whereas 100%, the yeah. only thing that I'm remotely optimistic on usually is Liverpool. I'm the most down and miserable twat you'll ever meet. But football or Liverpool gives me a little bit of spark. You're actually quite chipper as a general person, but the most pessimistic bastard with Leeds ever.
0: Literally, the only negative I think it sounds quite full of myself, but the only negative in my life is Leeds United. If I had Leeds doing not not necessarily well, but Boringly mid-table, I would be the happiest person in the world. Um, Maybe one day, but maybe one day. We'll round out the podcast then. The EFL Cup final, because I can't bring myself to call it the Carabao Cup, because it makes me feel sick, um, is on Sunday. Newcastle versus Manchester United. So this... (sighs) I'd be back in Man United, but obviously we'll go into reasons why. Um, This is... The first League Cup final for Newcastle since 1976. There's a gap of 47 years, which is the longest gap between finals in League Cup history. Uh, Man United competing in their 10th League Cup final with only one other team playing more. Do you know who it is? Liverpool. Correct, 13. Uh, Only Liverpool and Manchester City have won this trophy more than Man United. Um, Arsenal and Tottenham have lost more than Man United but they're the only teams to do so in terms of cup finals um, weirdly since the 2009 and 2010 season when Eddie Howe first managed in the League Cup no managers more wins in the competition than he does 22 never wins never would have guessed
1: that great stat that's a weird uh, stat isn't it yeah stat? I mean how has he got more wins I suppose he's been done it for maybe twice as long but how's he got more wins than Pep given Pep's won it like, he's level
0: times? with Pep so Pep Guardiola has 22 but bear in mind it's since 2009 2010 so which Pep, is
1: like five years before Pep exactly. even came into the league yeah. But, yeah, he's no, also weirdly stat.
0: he's the first looking to become the first Englishman to win the League Cup since can you name him 2003-2004 Middlesbrough manager Steve. Big McLaren, yeah.
1: Dutch Steve, as we like to refer to
0: him. <laughs> Steve. Um, yeah, good
1: stats there. Good, good level of... You've obviously done your research today.
0: Obviously a massive Newcastle and Manchester United fan.
1: Uh, for me, it's about as one-sided as the Champions League in next week and uh, mainly because what the fuck was Nick Pope doing? He's not only taken the absolute shine off... Newcastle getting to their t- that, that final but they're now down to their third choice keeper so any chance that they potentially had is in my opinion gone and you're talking about the person whose last game in for an English team was the debacle of Um, when Liverpool lost to Real Madrid. There you
0: go, he's experienced in cup finals, hasn't he?
1: Experienced at throwing the game (laughs) away for you, which is not a good sign. I mean, hasn't had a sniff, has he? I mean, he's third choice keeper. Um, The irony, I think, is if, man, you win, the Bravka of Newcastle gets a medal, doesn't he? Mm Because he's cup tied and played uh, for Newcastle. But what Pope was doing against Liverpool, I mean, obviously, I was delighted to see it. um, And when he just had a the definition of a moment of madness. Comes charging out, leads with his head, which he has to do, kind of misses the ball, chins it, and then I can only suspect, given that he's got VAR now and not even know he's going just forgets where he is. And just touched, for a second, just yeah. kind of grabs the ball underneath he, before he's literally a moment of madness. I've got no idea what on earth he was thinking. And it's one of the most
0: Unprofessional and ridiculous things I've seen in a football match for a long time. It seems to me, and I I wouldn't mind Newcastle winning it. I don't particularly dislike Newcastle. I lived there for a number of years when we were union, quite nice place, and obviously passionate fans. And they've been through quite a lot in the last few years with um, the great Mike Ashley. But I, I think they've thrown the chance away. I think they're hitting the worst possible form at the worst possible time, whereas Manchester United, just on the back of beating Barca last night and going through in the European Cup, um, look fantastic in the league, they absolutely they didn't obliterate us or dominate us, but they still showed their class in that when they need to score and when they need to pull it out of the bag, they can do. They seem to be a very, very well-knit team With uh, with regards to Ten Hag, I think he's turned them into a bit of a force again. Um, which is a bit worrying and a bit sad as a Leeds fan and certainly, as I'm sure, as a Liverpool fan to see. But I just I can't see this going any other way other than a Manchester United win.
1: Totally agree. I think any remote possibility of an upset that Newcastle had um, is probably gone. Pope is a... I'm 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 a big fan of Pope normally. Good keeper. I've really genuinely... He had a shocker. I can't remember. Just before the World Cup, I think, didn't he in a friendly for England, which basically probably cost him his place in, in net. Um, but he's had a shocker there and he's... As you say, I think even with Pope, it was going to be a stretch to be honest with you. And I, I, see, I saw a, a relatively easy victory for Man U, but I think any chance for an upset, unless stranger things have happened. But Carrius never, ever—he he was a disaster waiting to happen for Liverpool for the the year and a half that he was our first choice keeper. And that saying something when you've had fucking Minoule in net beforehand. Can't, neither of them can catch a fucking cold let alone a football, zero command of their area, and at least Mignolet had good reflexes. Carrius was just a bewildering signing for me, and how he became a Premier League keeper was a shocker. So, saying that, will probably go on and have a man-of-the-match performance I'm going to say, watch should be absolutely outstanding. But, you know, I, obviously, for my, as a neutral,
0: I'd much rather Newcastle win it than, than Man U, but don't see it. No, I don't see it personally. Well, um, Quite a long one this week for people, so I'm sure they'll split this into two different um, listens when they're on their way to work next week or this weekend. Um, I've got to ask one last time, just to clarify, are you still going Fury? Because,
1: well, bas- I- I'll you flip change your mind. Who are you going? Because I, well, and there's only a two horse race, so I'll take the opposite, but let's just remind the listeners you've got a 100%. <laughs> incorrect record of boxing we must be on about the sixth fight now and you've called it every single time wrong which by default has meant I've been right every single time so I'm not changing my mind no. so is
0: the touch of death what if I said that I think is going to win but you don't
1: you'd just Straight be out, saying just be you'd, you'd, you'd just be lying yeah. you just be saying that just to, to but so that
0: the fact you've now re-asked and that reminded us of that stat just solidifies Fury wins right J Paul wins but anyway, thanks very much for listening. We'll catch you next week after Jake Paul's one.